I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors lost once again by a score of 123 to 115, this time over the Phoenix Suns on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, look. It's a loss, and of course, I would like the Raptors to win. Of course, I'd like the Raptors to win. But um, there's a lot of positives to take from this one. And when you're 1-6, and six, you kind of have to take a moral victory. Not that you celebrate anything here, because there's nothing to celebrate. A loss is a loss. You know, and Nick has said this level, there are no moral uh, victories. Having said that, a lot of positive things happened today. So... Uh, yes, the Raptors lost, but uh, at the same time, I think if you look at the process of what happened tonight, a lot of good things happened tonight, and not that it works this way, but if the Raptors played this type of effort in some of other games that they played this year, this was a game that was enough to win, honestly, like, like most of the games this season. Uh, it just so happened that the Suns shot 21 of 40 from three, and that looks better than it actually was because at one point the Suns were like 21 of like 36 uh, and the Suns only missed two free throws I mean the Suns play well don't get me wrong the Suns absolutely play well low turnover game they did well but um, it was some ridiculously hot shooting that kind of torched the Raptors here and the Raptors did a lot of things positively and because I think a lot of the last few episodes have been pretty bad people were literally reaching out and being like you know are you okay and yes I am okay Uh, despite the fact that the Raptors are losing I'm okay but um, but yeah, let's just focus on some of the positives because I honestly think not even to overlook some of the negatives. I think obviously they can play better defensively than this. I think the centers have given them nothing for the second straight game. Um, after scoring zero points, <laughs> after scoring zero points in a combined twenty-three minutes against the Celtics in their loss, Baines and Len, we need to come up with a name for the two of them together, like um, some kind of nickname. Some people, please workshop workshop that out. Maybe you know, there's something there, but. Uh, Aaron and Alex, double A, the two of them combined for one point today. So it was an improvement. It really was an improvement to go from zero to one from your centers. Then they played 25 minutes today, maybe the extra two minutes, gave them the chance to score that one point. But um, there were some legitimate positives, and I really would like to focus on those because it is very, very... It's. I mean, you don't want to hear another negative podcast. Let's be real. So let's focus on the positives. Okay, so number one, Pascal Siakam was... I mean, the old Pascal... Um, and I mean that not in terms of, like, this is no longer what Pascal is, but I'm just saying we haven't seen Pascal put up a 30 spot in nine months or so. So, yeah, it's great that Pascal uh, did what he did tonight. And honestly, I think the process of what Pascal tonight w- was so much more encouraging than any other game this season um, because... Yes, he scored, but sometimes you score a lot because you made a whole bunch of jumpers, you got hot, and yeah, you know, in a, in a league where half the shots are threes, you make a whole bunch of threes, 
yeah, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a nice total, and of course that affects your game. What I like for Pascal today, he scored 32 points. He only made one three. Don't really remember him making many mid range jumpers. Maybe one. He got all of his baskets in the paint. And that is absolutely huge because the Raptors have just needed Pascal to be himself in the paint. That's what he is there for. The Raptors need him to be effective at the basket. Yes, the perimeter skills are important. Yes, you need him to pass it out and play on the perimeter um, You know when teams really collapse. But this is an instance where the Suns didn't play that aggressively against Pascal. Played him a lot one-on-one. Put defenders on him like Jay Crowder, like Mikael Bridges, who are decent defenders, but an all-star should be able to have a lot of success against those guys. Those are not like, you know, shut down guys. You know, Bridges kind of, but he's still more like a Robert Covington team defender than he is like an on-ball OG kind of like stopper. So, you know, you expected Pascal to score. And of course, obviously our expectations are real low for Pascal uh, because he's been struggling, but he was awesome, awesome tonight, man. Uh, And just got to the rim time after time after time. And it was so encouraging. Again, very, very few of his points came from the perimeter. But what you see today, only four free th- three-point attempts, but 14 free-throw attempts. Obviously, the 14 free-throw attempts, by far, are career high. I don't think he's even approached 10 in the last few years. Uh, the game's like, you know, I think against Boston, he got to like 7 or 8. So, 14 is, is huge. And even aside from that, Siakam was just getting to the paint repeatedly. In terms of, um, you know, he would get into the on the block. And the process of how he scored was just way better. First off, his energy level was was fantastic. From start to finish, he was amazing. There's one possession where he bit on a pump fake, so the Raptors had to go into extra scrambling. But Pascal literally ran suicides like two times back and forth across the court within the 24-second shot clock. You know, that's the kind of energy that you would love to see and that used to be like the standard from Pascal. But offensively, playing in the post, he was just much smarter. I mean, I made this point a few times already, but... Um, Sometimes when you watch Pascal, it's a little concerning how infrequently he beats his man. And that means that, you know, you could beat your man in a variety of ways. You can cross him up. You can get him to bite on a fake. Um, you can, you know, uh, use footwork to get around a guy. Um, you know, you could obviously use length and, and speed. You know, all sorts of ways you can beat a defender, right? And for Pascal, it just hasn't really seemed like he's beaten the defense as much this season. It feels like he's either scoring because he's taking the shots that the defense is offering him, which is mid-range shots, which is, you know, threes. Uh, or, you know, he is barreling into people and hoping to get a call um, or something. But he's he's kind of banging his head against the wall a little bit today much smarter, much smoother approach in terms of how he was beating his players because he was making great reads. Um, you know, as I think a lot of what really makes players great is can you assess the situation and can you um, process what you need to do quicker than what the defense and the defender specifically is able to process what they need to do. And Pascal today was so decisive, so quick, and beat his man repeatedly. Whether that was on a quick move, sometimes you see the defender's out of position, you make a quick move, direct line to the basket, um, your defender's playing you one-on-one, you can see where the help is coming from, you spin away from that contact, you, you, you finish at the basket, that's great. But other times, you have to you know, cr- you know know be smart and crafty about how you beat your defender. That means you use a Euro step, right? Which I thought he used it really effectively against the Celtics, where... 
Um, Jalen Brown was trying to take a charge after Siakam blocked the shot and took it up full length of the floor. Pascal did a really, really nice zero step move, got around Brown, drew the contact, but it was a blocking foul and Siakam was able to finish. And today he was able to use the euro step effectively as well. You're able to see him, you know, when he got bigger defenders on him. Second half, the Celtics or the, the Suns, they shifted DeAndre Ayton onto him, which is putting their center on Pascal, which is a strategy that used to happen. Well, it was popularized in 2019 because the Sixers did it with Embiid, and then um, the, the the you know obviously Milwaukee can't think of anything themselves uh, with Mike Budenholzer. So um, you know <laughs> what's his name? Um, Brooke Lopez also was used against Pascal, and that does offer some some ability be- to stop him because you're putting a physically bigger defender on in the rim against Siakam. But when Siakam was attacking Aiton, for example, he was able to use his handle. Shift gets Aiden slightly out of the position, out of the way, create a space, and then for Pascal to attack into that space. So I thought the way he processed and re- read the game was much better. It wasn't the same kind of flail, you know, yell, hey, and then, you know, like not get the call and be frustrated, and the whole team kind of loses some energy from that. I felt like every time Pascal scored, it contributed to the energy of the team. And Honestly, that's kind of how the Raptors were last season, especially at the start of the year where Pascal was, I mean, like, ridiculous, right? Like, that's why I got him to the, as a starter into the All-Star game, was the energy and activity he was playing with. He played with so much swagger, and that's something that Kyle talked about after the Celtics loss, was like, yo, we don't have any swagger at all, all right? Teams are looking like they can beat us. And yeah, they beat the Raptors again today, but Pascal played the real swagger. I thought the team fell off of it. And it was good. I mean, even early in the game, I know this is so small and minute. I think the bigger thing is that Pascal scored 32 points and, and had a really nice game. But something so minute is that the Raptors got off to a, a weird little start, you know, where there was one possession, maybe two minutes into the game, the Raptors conceded like three offensive rebounds in the same possession. Um, they got the stop twice, and then the thir- or they got the stop three times, and then the fourth to try... I think the Suns hit like a mid-range jumper or something. So it was kind of a deflating moment. But on one of those possessions, Kyle was yelling at some of the other teammates. Just kind of like, yo, guys, you know, shape up. Let's get a rebound here. Uh, And Pascal was actually clapping and encouraging his teammates and trying to lift everyone's spirits. And I know it's so minute. It's so minute. But there hasn't been a lot of moments of that this year. Hasn't been a lot of Pascal lifting the spirits of the team. It feels like his struggles have kind of really set the tone and set the mood for the team this time around pascal was just a playing way better but also even early in the game i just thought you know what that's something we haven't seen p it's just that that leadership of just like yo let's come on guys it's okay to shake it off you know we got the stops let's focus and let's play and i thought pascal played wonderfully tonight i thought even small sm- uh, small stuff that he did off the ball you know um you know one sequence where uh he worked to pick and roll with fred the suns were doing a lot of switching on the perimeter so um you know Fred ended up with a switch onto DeAndre Aiden. Pascal, uh, you know, swung it back to Fred to attack the mismatch. Then Pascal, um, you know, drifted back into the paint and did a very smart thing, which was he dropped into the baseline when he was originally on the wing, and he set an off-ball screen uh, to for OJ Anobi, who was already in the corner, but by Pascal sliding down and sliding behind the defense when Fred beat Aiden off the dribble Fred had an open passing lane to OG and OG had an open shot just because Pascal set a screen now of course it was also some bad defense by Devin Booker was caught ball watching but nevertheless smart plays all around I thought he did a really good job of pressuring the basket and again when that happens when Pascal is able to score in the paint when the Raptors scored 48 points in the paint tonight that changes everything for the team because all of a sudden you see a healthy 
offense coming out of this, right? Before the Raptors are kind of just like, you know, I, I don't know if people have been like this during the pandemic, but, you know, if you are working from home, for example, sometimes you get tired of cooking like three times a day and you're just like, uh, I have to eat lunch. I have like a 10 minute break uh, between Zoom calls. I'm just going to like, I don't know, man, just BS my way out of this, you know, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know, just take it and go, just take some calories and we'll figure out dinner later. Um, and, and that's kind of how the Raptors offense has felt. They're just kind of like, let's jack this three, hope it goes in. Cause if it goes in, it's worth three points. We're not getting anything in the paint. Let's just try to BS your way through it. You BS your way through it. You're going to, you're, you're going to have a bad diet. You're going to end up like me. Okay. Don't do that. Um, you know, and I thought the Raptors had a much, much healthier diet in terms of Pascal getting to the basket. It's essentially like the fruits and vegetables that you're getting like eight portions of. The Raptors have been getting like two portions of vegetables um, because they just haven't gone to the paint and because Pascal hasn't gone to the paint. And when you see that, you see two things. One, the Raptors took their fewest three-point attempts of the season. Um, part of this is because the Suns didn't play a lot of help defense. Other teams have really collapsed, but nevertheless, the Raptors only took 35 three-pointers. And only is, is a funny way to say that because that's still a lot of threes. But, you know, Raptors had been over 40 the first um, five games of the year. Against the Celtics, they were thirty at 37 attempts. And today, they're at 35 attempts. And the reason for that lowest attempts is, well, one, Pascal wasn't taking as many. He was going to the paint. But also, I think the Raptors got a lot more healthy in terms of they played in the paint and then they kicked it out. So it wasn't guys trying to jack, trying to force... And the Raptors, unsurprisingly, shot 40% from three, which was the first time they've done that all season. Even though they jacked a lot of threes, they haven't hit a high percentage of them ever. Today, 40% is actually good. It's only, it's, it's not great. 40 is, you know, one more three below this, and that should be their season average. So it's like one three above season average. It's not like the Suns hitting 21 threes. But Pascal, being able to effectively play in the paint, does allow for a lot of other guys to, you know, open up on the perimeter. And so... I thought it was a much healthier game. And, of course, Pascal got to the line 14 times, which, I mean, listen, when you actually score a bunch at the paint in, in, around the rim, when you go back to the rim, um, <laughs> you might get a better call. And quite honestly, Pascal was doing stuff to beat the defense, whether that was reading the play and getting to the spot first, whether that was using his skill, whether that was, you know, using his zero step, his footwork, fakes, handle, whatever it is, when you beat the defense, then the defense is coming at you late, and so then you're really drawing fouls. So I thought Pascal was great tonight. Honestly, I'm so happy for Pascal. After the game, actually, uh, interesting note, Pascal said um, that, you know, he was asked about, um, you know, uh, the, the, insurre- the insurrection, the armed insurrection uh, in, in the United States um, at, at Capitol Hill. And Pascal actually said, you know, he didn't know about it. Or he didn't not, he didn't know about it. He knew of it, but he didn't know the details of it enough to really comment on the situation because he's kind of been off social media. And that's obviously where most people get their news nowadays. Now, there is a trade-off. You do you are less in the know, but I think the way Pascal explained it was just, you know, allows him to focus on things that are more important to him. And, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, it doesn't really make sense to me for so many professional athletes to be as active on social media as they are, I mean, some people hire social media managers and they can run a, you know, kind of an account that way. Uh, but there's just such a, in terms of just volume and the amount of like criticism and hate that players get, whether that's due or undue, um, it definitely crosses the line. And that's such a high volume that I don't know. I mean, yes, you can have social because, you know, you could plug some things, you know, yeah, it helps you with your endorsements, you know, opportunity, sponsorships, stuff like that, right? Some players can do it. I think Surge, for example, is a great example of a guy who can really use social to his advantage. 
But I think for Pascal, it doesn't make sense for him right now. I think for most professional athletes, it doesn't make sense, man. They just have faced so much vitriol online. I mean, even if it's just stuff about their game, that's fine, man. I think most people like at their profession at least have thick enough skin, especially when you're working publicly, that um, you can accept criticism about the job. But when you look at the type of... I mean the 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 online ritual that that Pascal's gone over the years, especially the last you know year or so, between the bubble and and, and the start of this year, it doesn't make sense for him to use social. And I'm actually really happy that he did that because it allows him to focus more and talk to more of the people that actually matter. And it's not like you can't use social media and also talk to your family. You can definitely do that, but you you only have 24 hours in a day. You know, professional athletes are extremely um, busy and their time is really uh, accounted for and. Yeah, I mean, any moment that you're using on social does take away, it's it, you know, from any other opportunity you have to interact with anyone else. So I, I, I just I like the approach. I thought, I mean, I don't think it's like, I think it's a response more to the negativity than anything else. But I think Pascal is doing great, and honestly, this is something that was really encouraging to me today. So Pascal was amazing. Um, really, really by far his best game of the year. Kyle was fantastic as he always is 24 points nine rebounds nine five assists really engaged in the game took a karate chop to the head from deandre ayton uh that was unfortunate but you know i thought fred had a really nice start to the game um you know he was guarding booker there's one play where he stripped booker uh and then of course he was running the offense quite well i don't think fred should have that much control of the offense as he did previous games because mostly because i don't think he needs to if Fred needs to score 30 points, 35 or whatever points he scored against the Celtics, the Raptors probably aren't going to win too often with that. What the Raptors kind of need is for everyone to play together. And when everyone plays together, you don't need Fred to score as much. Fred had a more balanced game, but I thought Fred played really well at both ends of the floor. This one possession where he dribbled it too much. It was like he literally dribbled 22 seconds. But the Raptors actually end up scoring on that possession, so it was kind of bailed out, but... He was good. OG was really good. Um, 20 points, 8 of 10 shooting, and 38 minutes from OG. I asked uh, Nick Nurse about it after the game. Like, uh, look, sometimes OG has these great games, and sometimes he's kind of invisible. Um, what kind of goes into OG having a great game? And I thought it was interesting the way Nick answered it, because he said that the Raptors are kind of making more of a concerted effort to get him out of the corners, which is, I think, maybe not necessarily... Always the best move for the current moment, but I think if you look at the long term, and of course the Raptors have committed long term to OG, so they care about this. He's part of the future. For the long term, yeah, you kind of need to sacrifice a little bit for development. And in this case, I don't even think necessarily sacrifice, but what Nick said is he wants to get him out of the corners and get him more into the middle of the floor, and so that way he's a little bit more involved. And what that looks like doesn't necessarily have to fundamentally change. It's not like OG needs to become a different player altogether. Um, he's still playing on the wing. He's still catching and shooting. He's still making a play and driving and stuff like that. But what OG was able to do today was kind of an even mix, right? You never noticed him too much in the offense because he didn't try to take over. It wasn't like OG catches it on the wing, one-on-one, tries to score. He'll do that once or twice a game, but for the most part, that's not his game. Um, but using him in the middle of the floor. So what does that mean? So earlier this season, we've seen, you know, for example, against the Pelicans, when the Raptors really wanted to attack Zion Williamson, Zion, because he's a weak defender, was guarding OG, who's realistically kind of a weak offensive player. And so the Raptors attacked Zion by using OG as a screener. They did a a pretty good job of that, and actually that play worked quite well. And today we saw more of OG screening. We saw more of OG flashing to the middle of the floor. We saw OG playing as the trailer on a few possessions. 
And yeah, pretty good. I mean, you know, some of it is OG has to deliver for himself, which means hit your open corner threes. You know, Pascal hit him for a nice open corner three. Then Fred hit him for a nice open corner three. Got OG off to a great start by hitting those shots. But OG was just involved. He touched the ball a lot. Um, And he obviously efficiency wise, eight of 10 for 20 points is amazing. But even some of the small things that he can create for himself, like, uh, you know, late in the game, Raptors trying to make a comeback. I believe Norm missed the layup. Um, because of course, and OG follows up with a putback dunk, um, you know, and some of the stuff that he can do and just, just his natural ability to, to impact the game because he's so big and so strong, but I like it. And honestly, when you think about guys who can play and pick and roll in terms of as the screener at the moment, do you, would you rather have Bane screening and trying to be involved in the play or Alex Len trying to be involved in the play? Or do you, would you rather have OG doing it? Because if you look at OG's skill set, even though he's not a center, he has tools that would actually make him effective in a center type of role in terms of he can set screens. Now, it's not as big of a screen as Baines or Len, but realistically, the Suns were so unafraid of Baines and Len that they would just switch pick and rolls and just put guards on those guys because they don't care. They don't care. They know they can't hurt them. Uh, they, they know they can barely receive the ball. And so, you know, at least OG... If he gets on the switch, I think he can punish the mismatch a little bit. We've seen him use the post moves. We've seen him use his strength. Um, but even still, I think one thing that's been nice with OG is that when he gets really pressured in tight corners, sometimes he tries to force a shot, which that doesn't usually go well. But when he does draw into a crowd, and if you're playing pick and roll and you catch on the move, chances are you're going to see a rotating defender against any type of decent defense. Then you have to make another decision, and you have to have the passing instinct and OG does have good, quick passing instincts. He does generally make a productive pass. He doesn't have the ball that much, so you might not notice it. But when you watch him, he does make productive passes. You know, again, he has zero assists today. So it's not like, you know, it's not talking about Draymond Green over here. But honestly, when OG first got drafted, I was like, the, the long-term kind of thing is like a Draymond Green type of guy with, and instead of that sort of um, incredible team defense, sort of more balanced towards on-ball defense. You know, I think Draymond is pretty good on-ball. Draymond's effective all defensive situations, let me be clear. But OG is definitely more skewed towards being great on-ball rather than off-ball. But, you know, I, I think, yeah, using OG as a screener, I think, is is useful. And again, when, when the Raptors' other centers are giving you one point a game, yeah, you might have to use OG a little bit there. And I thought he was great with it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, and, and really, you know, Norm was decent. Um, well... It was okay. Norm was okay. Um, you know, he played a lot with the starters because the Raptors, again, they were getting so little from their centers as they have been all season that they closed with the small ball lineup. And so in doing so, they needed Norm to be on the floor. And Norm was okay. He did enough um, on that front. You know, didn't really let them down too much defensively. There was one play that I screen capped where Devin Booker was on a two-for-one at the end of the third quarter and pulled up from 35 feet. Norm decided to go under the screen for some reason. But, I mean, it was so far out that I don't blame Norm too much for it, although Booker is obviously an elite shooter with limitless range, and yeah, he, he definitely sunk the three. Can't blame him too much for that. Norm did some, take some bad shots early on. It seems like he's having a really hard time getting to the basket this season, which is pretty bad considering he needs to. But then again, I do want to cut Norman some slack because I also he is only he is mostly playing with the bench and the bench is just really not good. 
Um, Norm is obviously involved in that too as well, but you know, uh, <laughs> it's just not good. Um, but you know, I thought Norm playing with the small ball five group that um, the Raptors closed uh, the, the, the Celtics series with. Um, in terms of you got Kyle at one, Fred at two, Norm at three, OG at four, and Pascal at five. Well, really, Pascal at four, OG at five. Um, Norm did pretty well in that group. And honestly, that group did quite well because the Suns were shooting the lights out. Like I mentioned, there was a stretch there. I think the Suns shot like eight of ten from three in the in the third quarter. That included um, some really, really deep threes. Uh, and some really contested threes. Then to start the fourth quarter, they kept pouring it on. So, like, Cameron Payne scored a three. Um, you know, Sarich scored a three. Cam Johnson hit a three. So, it was like a stretch there where it, they just could not stop pouring threes. But I thought the Raptors were getting good offense throughout the game. And I was like, the Raptors could still make this close. And they ended up making it close. It, ended up, it became a two-possession game when the Raptors were down 15 with, like, five minutes left. The Raptors used that small ball lineup. I think, A, this is just a great matchup to use the small ball lineup with because one thing with the small ball lineup is obviously you're very susceptible to who's playing at center. A, a team with a better passing center, you can't go small on them because that center will be able to pick you apart. Aiden is not that. He does a lot of other things well, the former number one pick, but he is not a good decision maker with the ball at the moment. So if he faces a swarm, he's going to be stopped. And the Raptors did a really good job of swarming. Um, and honestly... It was just encouraging to see the Raptors succeed in what they were trying to do. That high-activity defense was activated, was working. The Suns hit some shots, yes, but, I mean, the Suns really have some talent. And they're 6-2 and two on the season, right? They're doing something right. Uh, and then also, the Raptors cut into the lead. They did things like trapping full court and getting turnovers. They forced, a, you know, a backcourt violation. A lot of things were going right. The, the Really, the Raptors just ran out of time. That game had two more minutes in the game. The Raptors would have won this game. But... You know, they lost. But at least they're, you know, the bigger picture is that their top five players have actually all had good games together, which is the first time it's happened all season. Pascal, 32, OG, 20, Kyle Lauer, 24, Fred, 13 and 7, Norm, 13 points. That That's as good as those five players have played all together. The issue is that nobody else scored, all right? The Suns, for example, they had their whole starting five scored in double digits. Then they had 15 from Sarge off the bench. They had 15 from Cam Johnson off the bench. And Campaign, who the Raptors actually cut in training camp last year, remember seeing this man in Quebec City. Um, yeah, he had 10 assists tonight, so that was tough. It was tough to see, considering Campaign, you know, used to be kind of just be Westbrook's um, uh, backup dancer. And I don't mean that like <laughs> derisively. I mean that... Uh, factually, that's what he did. Um, yeah, he's he's really made progress. He he lit up the G League as well. The Raptors gave him a shot a shot for a reason. Um, but yeah, Payne played well tonight. So that's what they got off the bench. What the Raptors got: Baines zero points. Bembry he only played a minute, so I don't really count. Watanabe came in three points in sixteen minutes. Alex Len one point in twelve minutes. Malachi Flynn zero points in four minutes. Even Chris Boucher nine points in fifteen minutes. Yeah, but he did give up a lot of stuff defensively. Didn't play a lot of minutes because of it. So. That's still tough. The Raptors need to consistently find something. So that's bad. But at least the Raptors f- showed some progress in maybe fixing some of their other problems, which is uh, Pascal played well. OG had a nice game. OG needs to play more consistently, too, by the way. Like, you know, obviously he's not skilled enough offensively to create his own offense. So it's not like he can always get great games. And even guys like Pascal, who are skilled offensively, don't always have great games. But you just can't have those games where OG's scoring like, you know, five points and 
he's barely registering at all offensively. Like, you need games like this to be more common, and it's not out of the possibility for OG. Um, Kyle and Fred are going to be great. And, yeah, you probably need Norm to play a little bit better. Um, but, yeah, really, the, the center spot, that's a spot where it, I, I think Baines will play better because he was legitimately good last year, but he has just looked like such a bad fit. Um, and guys are roasting him, too, in pick and roll. Alex Len, we know what he can do. He's um, big, and that's mostly it. I mean, he plays fine defensively. He plays a little bit better than Baines, honestly, contesting shots and stuff like that. But, you know, guys are still going to be able to exploit him in the, in the perimeter. I think, you know, Chris Paul, his eyes lit up every time he saw Alex Len guarding him on the pick and roll. Same with Baines, of course, and Booker as well. Um, and that's going to be really, really tough. I just think it's kind of a talent issue. The Raptors kind of just need to go out there. I mean, honestly, if the Raptors don't... If the Raptors can get a few wins here, I think, honestly, the front office owes it to them to just give them, like, a competent center to just maybe do something. Because this group does have good players, good talent, right? When you see Pascal, Kyle, OG, Fred play at the level they did tonight, and you see them lose because they got it. Literally, I'm looking at the box score right now. It says 32, 20, 0, 24, 13. When you see that zero in a game, the Raptors lose by eight points. You know, like it hurts. It hurts to see. It feels like you're wasting their time almost. So yeah, you, you, yeah, I think that's a talent issue. That's a front office issue. Um, and then yeah, I mean, my guy Utah Watanabe came in. Uh, 16 minutes. Essentially, he got the Stanley Johnson role tonight. Stanley didn't play. So maybe Stanley's suggestions is back after uh, our debut of Malachi's missions in the uh, the Twitter mailbag with uh, with Josh Hart that I did yesterday. Um, but yeah, Utah came in. He took Stanley's role and basically did the same thing. I mean, was active. Um, you know, play. I think one thing with Utah. So he offers more shooting, but I don't necessarily want to get too carried away with that because it's not like shooting that matters in terms of shooting that affects the bottom line. So teams aren't really going to guard him too much on the perimeter anyway. They're not going to, like, stick to him. That's not going to be, like, Utah gravity. Um, so that, you know, is is not as effective. Uh, and he's not moving enough to get open. So it's not like, you know, running plays necessarily for him to get shots. But he can shoot. He absolutely can shoot. And that is a plus over Stanley. Um, I think Utah's on-ball defense probably isn't as good as Stanley's. I think Stanley's strength is when there's an opposing wing player, you know, like what we've seen. Uh, Ben Simmons, Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum. You put Stanley out there to guard him, he probably provides better on-ball defense, whereas Watanabe is more of a team defender when you need someone to scramble around and cover the three-point line because the Suns obviously move it quite well, but there's not like a one-on-one kind of guy. I think Watanabe can really thrive, and I thought he did really well tonight. In his first shift, he got 10 straight minutes, you know, and if you get that from Nurse, you're definitely playing defense. Watanabe plays defense like his head is on fire. Um, and then second shift was less effective in the second half, I thought. Um, you know, he had a chance to score at the rim. He missed it. Um, and just, you know, the Raptors were getting torched from the three-point line. So that was tough. But Utah was okay. I think it's kind of a platoon situation between Utah and, and Stanley. I think uh, Utah doesn't turn the ball over as much as Stanley does. Stanley, for a role player, role players can't turn the ball over first off at all, okay? If you turn the ball over as a role player, you're going to stop getting minutes because you're just not important enough to turn the ball over. Um, Utah doesn't turn the ball over as much as Stanley does. Stanley kind of has a loose dribble, um, you know, and, and Utah 
it, it's honestly a little bit tighter than, than Stanley's. Um, but yeah, he also just makes, I think, a little bit quicker in terms of his decisions. But he doesn't, he also doesn't bring that much necessarily. So it's not like he absolutely has it over Stanley. But I like that Nick gave him a chance to, to take a look at, at Watanabe. He is longer than Stanley. And again, that team defense is, I think, a little bit stronger. So it's a kind of a platoon situation. They obviously both provide defense, but one guy better on ball, one guy better off ball. Um, but yeah, the Raptors lost. And again, the Suns just shot the lights out. It is what it is, but a lot of good things happened tonight. If the Raptors had this effort that they played tonight against other teams, they would have done quite well. So in terms of your three stars, first star, Pascal Siakam, 32 points, nine rebounds, three assists, a steal, a block, 11 of 21, only one of four from the uh, three-point line, uh, but he took 14 free throw attempts. He actually was a little bit iffy on those free throws. He had been shooting like 80-plus percent. Today, nine of 14. Looked a bit unsure on a few of the free throws, but overall, Pascal getting to the paint, such a relief, such a sight for sore eyes. He was great. Kyle Lowry getting your second star, 24 points, nine rebounds, five assists, a steal, nine of 15 shooting, three of eight from three, three of three from the free throw line. Kyle's been asked to carry a lot of these bench units and men, these bench units are tough. Uh, Kyle's kind of making it work to honestly, if he's even playing them, even it's kind of a miracle. Um, but Kyle's scoring was quite good. You know, led them kind of pulled the Raptors up by the collar on the stretch there in the second quarter where he took it in for a layup. Uh, drew a contact, didn't get the call, then raced down the floor, got the steal, immediately took it back in for another layup, drew contact, didn't get another call, made the layup, then hit a pull-up long two, uh, then hit a three. I mean, Kyle is just, you know, he's ageless, ageless wonder. And honestly, small, small delight for me that Kyle outplayed Chris Paul as severely as he did today because uh, those guys get compared a lot, although, you know, the only real comparison is that Kyle has a ring and Chris Paul doesn't. Um so Kyle's your second star. And then your third star, I'm giving that to OG. 20 points, 8 rebounds, a steal, uh, 8 of 10 shooting, 3 of 5 from 3. So, I mean, hey, that's he's 5 of 5 from the, the two-point range. That's quite great. So I thought he was active offensively. And, yeah, defensively, I don't really have any complaints. I think he blocked. Uh, or, he, no, he stopped Chris Paul. He didn't block the shot, but really forced him. I mean, pretty much anyone going one-on-one against OG is not going to score. Uh, with any kind of efficiency, but uh, yeah, OG has been was was quite good today. I think the off the offense is such a big thing for him. Uh, in terms of your Joe Henderson Award winner, that's that's got to go to Dario Saric actually today. Fifteen points in seventeen minutes for Saric really really outplayed Boucher in that matchup. It, it's I mean you know to get bodied by Dario Saric and the paint is just one of those things that's hard to accept. Because Saric is not someone you look at and say, yeah, I mean, he does have a post game and he is strong. And he's, you know, a big-ish guy. But that's a small forward bodying a center at the rim. So that doesn't sit right with me necessarily. And I don't think it should sit right with any coach or any any person watching the game. So that was tough. But yeah, Saric is just really effective in his role. Made quick decisions, made quick plays. He's a really nice piece for the Suns. Raptors could really use a Saric type, actually, to be honest. Especially off the bench. When you have guys who can come in and pass while also being... Um, a bit of a scorer himself. I think, you know, that's a really, really valuable bench piece. Uh, and yeah, the Raptors are kind of missing that. So, uh, sorry, 15 points, five rebounds and assist. He played quite well. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, a uh, look, it's, it's a tough loss in the context of things, but, um, you know, it's, um, it's better than what they've shown. So it's progress. Uh, the Raptors, uh, are going to play Sacramento next, I believe. So I, you know, that should be a win. It's 10 p.m. I'm hoping the Raptors snap out of it, but um, you know, 
if they play like this tonight, honestly, if they play like this tonight against uh, the Kings, they will win. So that's that's quite nice. So, um, yeah. Thanks for for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Read ten things if you haven't already. And uh, yeah, I'll check back in after the next game. Peace. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices. Down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 